Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. Hi guys, it's Caroline Stephen. Our world is a changing. Last week, Stephen Hawking, the physicist who roamed the cosmos from a wheelchair, died. Hawking was fond of telling people that he was born 300 years to the day that Galileo died. Hawking pushed the frontiers of gravity. He changed our ideas of black holes and what we thought was possible in the universe. Well, what we think is possible down here on Earth with every day-to-day tasks is also changing with revolutionary technology. Our guest today on Talking Trading is tech investor and entrepreneur Phil Gary from Inside Market. Phil and I discuss some of the disruptive technologies which are being developed in the marketplace right now. But first, let's hear from Louise Bedford on how to best choose your success environment. I think it's important to build a little downtime into our regular routines. Often if I am meeting somebody for a lunch break and I'm going to a different area, I'll try to arrive maybe half an hour, an hour early and go and explore a park or maybe a walk on the beach. I was going to meet Gary Stone recently for a catch-up. He is a fellow trader and I do value his insights. I walked along the beach. There was a really flat, calm bit of water and I saw the strangest little spurts and they caused gorgeous little ripples and I moved forward to explore this further. When I looked into the water, I could see that there were some weird little dirty anemones. They were ugly little things. There was a stagnant look to that still water. I thought it was beautiful from the distance, but when I came closer, I saw that those little ugly anemones, they were dejected. They were hungry. They were desolate. They were covered in grime. I moved away quickly. It wasn't the place I wanted to stay with that stagnant water. It looked safe. It looked quite inviting from the distance, but when you got up close, it really didn't live up to your expectations. As I walked, I passed along a part of the beach where the waves were coming in, there were beautiful rock pools, and it was amazing the difference between that and the first place I'd stopped. I looked in the rock pools, dodging the waves as I went. Inside were gorgeous pieces of coral, strange little bits of seaweed, It was colourful. There was rough water and it seemed to me that the rougher the water, the more bright the coral. All of the little creatures and the little things living inside those rock pools, they were drawing in from their environment. They were fully alive. They were beautiful. 
They were reveling in the nutrients being thrust into their little tentacles. Now, which environment do you want to be in? A success environment where, sure, it can be a little rough sometimes, but where you are surrounded by bright, shimmery examples of success. Or do you want to be alone and desolate and grimy, even if your life looks pretty good from the surface? Of course you're going to choose the best environment. If you were a piece of coral, you'd do that. If those little pieces of coral could choose, they would be where the nutrients are, where the fun was, where their friends were bright and colourful. So why wouldn't you choose the best environment now as a trader? I'm Louise Bedford. Come to our How to Trade full-time one-day function that comes with 12 months of support. We'll give you the nutrients you need. Chris Tate and I are coming to the Gold Coast, Melbourne, Sydney and Perth and you're going to want to be in the room. Go to tradinggame.com.au and get involved. Tradinggame.com.au And the dates for Chris and Louise's one-day seminar are on the 10th of June, they'll be in the Gold Coast. On the 15th of July, they're in Perth. On the 22nd of July, they're in Melbourne. And on the 29th of July, they're in Sydney. To make sure you're in that room, go to tradinggame.com.au. I'm Dr. Harry Stanton. I'm the author of Let the Trade Winds Flow, and I listen to Talking Trading. Nineteen eighty-four, Apple released the Macintosh computer. Nineteen ninety-four, the internet revolution occurred. Two thousand and seven, Apple released its iPhone, and the world has just kept changing. The sky is the limit for tech. Today, we speak to Phil Carey from Inside Market. Inside Market is a private fund which invests in disruptive technologies. Phil and I discuss some of the amazing revolutionary technologies which are being developed out there right now. We welcome him to the show. Phil Carey, tech investor and entrepreneur. Hello and welcome to Talking Trading. Hi, Carolyn. How are you? What is your background, Phil Carey? Uh, in a nutshell, media um, started out in radio and TV, um, everything from production to journalism to I was 2IC of the Today Show for a while. I was one of the initial story producers on Business Sunday at Channel 9, um, that sort of stuff. Then I started my own company um, back in 93, uh, Cornerstone Media, which uh, is a corporate video production company. And since then, we've done work for pretty much every major company in Australia. And, and then last year, we started um, Inside Market. Market.net, which is a company that essentially looks at investing in highly disruptive, globally scalable tech stocks. Okay, so uh, tech stock, many. highly yeah. disruptive, global tech stocks. Yep. Why tech stocks? Um, I guess it's just with the video business since 93, it's gone through phenomenal change, as you can imagine. I remember we used to go out with literally a paper bag of VHS tapes when we would go out to pitch for a job, I mean, which is pretty hard to believe. Since then, of course, I mean, I, I, you know, I very rarely see a client. <laughs> you just do it and you send it out on the net and it's done. So 
I've always had an interest. You know, I think that even back to when I started in radio, I just found the whole concept of technology really interesting. And I love learning. And so it's, you know, there's no better time than to be involved in, in, in looking at technology and learning about something than now. It's crazy. You know, I remember because I worked in the newsroom where Sophie works in the ABC and all the tapes that would pile on top of each other in the editor's room. It was a different world back then, right? Oh, it was. We used to have these huge machines. I swear to you, they were like, I can't fit it in there, but bigger than that. And they were tape, reel-to-reel things. And we used to, because I worked for 2GB, and we had these reels this big, and you would high-speed high duplicate the programs, and then they would send those tapes out through the mail, and that's how people got the radio programs. And uh, the American American Top 40 used to send out a disc, a, a, like a, a, a record, and you would get the record from American Top 40, and that's what you'd play. So, yeah, it's it's fabulous. I mean, it is so exciting. I mean, I get goosebumps talking about the potential of, of some of the stocks that are out there and some of the companies that are doing things. Okay, so let's talk about some specific technology you're invested in and why, because we've had this conversation over coffee. It was yes. very interesting. Starting yeah. with a 3D titanium printing company. Yes, well, they're, they're actually an additive, what they call, there's 3D printing and then there's additive um, printing. Additive printing is the extension of 3D printing in that it's much faster. The problem with 3D printing up until now, and we're talking about Titomic, which is a ASX code TTT, um, Titomic uses what they call kinetic cold fusion. Um, this basically, to cut a long story short, means that you can print things that can be huge. You can start printing things like the wing of an aeroplane, if you like, not the whole wing, but a big chunk of it. In the past, you could only print small things because it used heat instead of kinetic, in other words, energy, spraying the titanium on and really it sprays at supersonic speed and hits so hard it changes the structure and compresses itself together. In the old ones, you used heat and eventually the heat would build up as you got a bigger object and it would start to warp. So you were restricted to the size that you could print. But these guys have got around that working with the CSIRO. And it's very cool. They're going to change the face of manufacturing, I think. Okay, Fast Brick Robotics. I love these guys. Mike Pivak is the CEO, really nice guy. Um, we love them because, again, they're uh, a, a disruptive company on a massive scale, potentially. Um, there's been a lot of flack in the last few weeks anyway about, you know, these highly disruptive companies. But I think what a lot of people miss is the fact that they are potentially highly disruptive. Fast Brick has developed an underlying technology called digital stabilization technology. Now that means that they can have a robot arm extended 30 meters and be accurate to within something like 0.05 millimeters. Sorry if I got that slightly wrong, Mike. Um, but it, it, over 30 meters, and that's incredible. But the real catch is it's outside. So they are able to counteract, it does 2000 calculations a second to counteract any variables that come into play, like wind or vibrations, all that sort of stuff. They started by making um, a machine that uh, lays bricks, which is, means they can lay bricks for a house in three days. So you can build a house in three days, which is crazy. But the potential applications for going forward with this uh, digitalization, uh, sorry, uh, dynamic stabilization technology is things like being able to build skyscrapers so that instead of having people, you've got robots moving around, picking up pieces wow. and putting them up. Because it's so accurate, you can place them in place. So you can put in panels, you can put in glass, you can do all sorts of stuff. Have a listen to the interview with Mike Pivak because it's it's very exciting stuff. And they're, they're really good guys and I'm very confident in their company. So what defines disruptive technology? 
Well, uh, one of the guys that I interviewed very early in the piece for InsideMarket.net was Jim Dorian, who's the executive chairman of 4DS Memory, which is a, another really cool company. But he's a really successful venture capitalist. And he said, look, you know, he used to get lots of people coming to him with ideas. And, and where it started to fall over first was you've got to be able to say this is really hard. You know, it's all very well to come up with a new type of router, but there are routers. So you, what you want to do is come up with something that's completely different to a router. In their case, it's a whole different way of, you know, using um, storage in the cloud. So the first thing is it's got to be really difficult. The second thing is to achieve the goal, you've got to have really smart people. And then the third thing is, from our perspective, it's got to be scalable on a global scale because we're being aggressive. We're taking some risks but we want to see the payoff. So we need to see a technology that works, has the smart people to back it up, and is going to be scalable on a global scale. And our big one at the moment is called Linus. Linus. Let's yes. talk about global entrepreneurial psychology. You deal with these CEOs all the time. What is it they have in common? Look, I think underpinning all of it is is a undying sort of belief in their own personal ability. And I suppose, for want of a better word, you call it ego. Um, ego, as old Skyhooks used to say, for those old enough, he's not a dirty word. Um, look, you have to, you know, I mean, I've seen CEOs that can walk into a crowded room and the room stops. They have a presence and they have a confidence and they have a belief in their ability. The second thing is they have to really understand what they're doing. That's where you start to see them fall apart. So you start to get an idea that they're not really across what they're doing. You know, if you understand what your core mission is and you understand what your core technology is and what it does, it comes across. But when you get people that, you know, they just they're salesmen first, not the actual person with the passion. So that, that's, you know, that's something to, to look for. And that's something that we say to our traders, define your core mission and values so you know why you're undertaking the markets. Yeah, no, look, absolutely. We have a philosophy that we've applied to all our businesses over the years, which is the pyramid philosophy. And at the very top of the pyramid, you should have the most simplistic concept of what you're trying to achieve. And as you then build it out, you start going underneath and say, okay, how are we going to market it? And does that reflect back to the point that we're trying to achieve? How are we going to, you know, create the website? Does that look reflect back? And so you just build back up to the top of the pyramid, but you've always got your key thing. And in the case of InsideMarket.net, it's simply that we're here to make money. You know, that's, that's our primary goal, and we want to do it by investing in really interesting, you know, globally disruptive tech stocks. How have you managed to achieve 50% plus return in your private fund in five months? Well, um, I think there's a combination of uh, art, science and a little luck. <laughs> but um, look, you know, it, it fluctuates. I, I'm not sure when this is going to run, but as um, I think we're down to 34% at the moment. But we sold out of some stuff when the correction started to happen and we actually bought into Linus in a big way. I think we're holding 1.6 million shares at the moment. Um, so the answer to your question is as much homework as you can. Um, you're never going to get it right all the time um, you have to just try and understand the technology as best you can and then apply sound good old-fashioned logic to it and say is this something that that you know has the potential to work on a global scale but you can get caught out you know Phil, I want to ask a more general question. So we're now in 2018, the internet came out in 1994 that was the first wave what wave do you see that we're in now um, that's a great question. Uh, I think 
we're in the consolidation phase of the whole thing. I think we're we're sort of coming to grips with it. When it all came out, there was the bubble, of course, in 2000 and whatever it was, two, three, um, because, you know, no one knew how it really worked. I mean, no, no one could. You couldn't foresee. We're all scrambling going, oh, everyone was looking for the killer app. You know, what did that mean? And, you know. So we're in a consolidation phase, and, and that's going to be painful um, for some people. And then, you know, uh, I know with our business, Corp, uh, Cornerstone Media, which is a corporate video production company, you know, I, I was online the other day. I made a corporate video. I'm doing myself out of business here. But I made a corporate video in two minutes while chatting to somebody else. There's a, there's a, there's an online thing now, where you, and they've got all the footage. You just put your text over the top, your logo, bam, it's done. So painful for some, um, but consolidation re sort of aligning and then the next wave will be things like artificial intelligence and voice activated um, computers which i know hillary clinton is talking a lot about at the moment yeah yeah look i mean lots of people have been for a while i mean elon musk has been waving a red flag and so is stephen hawking you know and i get that i mean there are there are lots of change always brings with it some pain I'm a, I'm a golfer and I had a golf pro say to me one day, Phil, if it doesn't feel uncomfortable, it's not change. And it's true. You know, if it feels comfortable, what's changed? So, um, uh, you know, you're going to have pain and they're going to be challenges and you're swapping one problem for another problem. Um, I just read uh, the book, what's it called? Um, the, uh, the Subtle Art of Not Giving Up. Beep. <laughs> I won't say it on your Matter work, of fact, uh, I'm pursuing the author today for an interview. Brilliant. I would love to, I would absolutely love to hear an interview with him. It's a really good book. And he makes the point that, you know, you really, life is really about swapping one problem for another. You know, like you get some new technology, but it creates a new problem. It might have solved an old one, but there's another issue. So we're in that phase, you know, where it's, the thing I think that's unique, and I think some of the old school investors don't seem to get, is that the change is potentially massive but the speed that it can happen that's the thing you know like i see a lot of stuff just recently about guys saying you know the the fundamentals are being forgotten and yes they're right in some ways they are but what people are doing is they're looking at something down the road that's really not that very far and if it works out will be huge so how far how far are you talking about Oh, look, I mean, I, I think it's feasible, just broadly speaking, that you could start a company, the right company, with the right software, say, for example, and, you know, be a global company in a couple of years. You know, my father, who's 87 now, I mean, he was the general manager of a company called Namco, which made furniture. And for them to grow from a local company to a nationwide company, let alone an international company, took tens of years you can do it in I mean I could set up if I'm smart enough, I can set up a company and in two, three years I could be a global company. So I mean, it's that part of the whole process is something that, you know, I don't think people are really sort of getting their head around. Um the exponential rate of growth is phenomenal. Tell us more about artificial intelligence and what you know about it. How's it going to change things? Well, it's a, I mean, artificial intelligence is a broad term. So it's, it's essentially underneath that you've got all these sorts of different things like the Internet of Things and you've got, you know, machine-to-machine learning. Um, essentially, artificial intelligence is, in its true form, is where a computer learns from the experience. So, um, you know, there's a company in Israel called Cortica, C-O-R-T-I-C-A, and they've basically reverse-engineered the human eye cortical nerve and then created a program that allows a camera to see things and interpret things the same way we do. So it's, it's learning all the time then. So, you know, that's 
the part that is really incredible. You know, there's already stuff being used by, say, um, ophthalmic surgeons for scanning um, eye scans. And, and it's, I can't remember the exact figures, but, you know, the technology uh, has found errors that the humans have missed by a significant amount. Um, you know, that sort of thing. And, it, and every time it does, it keeps learning because essentially once you've programmed the base, once you've put in, you know, 10,000 pictures of rust on different objects, it goes, okay, it must be, if it looks at something, it goes, oh, ooh, that matches like with this one, rust. If it says no, it starts to ask questions or it can be, re, you know, a, a bit of a human in, interaction can fix that too. But so it's just starting to learn and learn and learn. And then, of course, you roll it out to the whole Terminator, you know, everyone run to the chopper sort of thing, you know. <laughs> it's a terrible impersonation, wasn't it? But, you know, I don't know. Maybe there is – like, I'm invested in Linus, and I find it fascinating. I think it's a really cool company. But I do find it disturbing in the sense that, you know, they know so much about me, um, and they have such a, an intrusive – and yet positive in some ways, but still, you know, like – yeah, I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go. No one knows where it's going to go. Phil, where can people go to find out more about you and what you do? Well, the simplest thing is to go to insidemarket.net. Um, that's the website address. Um, subscription is free at the moment. Um, <laughs> um, and, yeah, basically there, that's the place to go. Um, have a look and see what you think. Um, we're there, and as I say, we're transparent. And, um, you know, hopefully I got a, I got a lovely um, email from a guy called Brett just this morning. Um, who was quite glowing and said that uh, I'm going to post it on the website so you'll see it there, uh, saying that, you know, he thought that our uh, quality of information was second to none when it comes to the sort of stocks that, you know, we look at. And we're very specific. So, you know, and, you know, it's, it's, it's all there. Have a look, see what you think. Judge us by what we do, not what we say. Phil Carey, thanks for coming on to Talking Trading. It's been a pleasure and thank you very much for having me. You've been listening to TalkingTrading.com.au with Caroline Stephen. Make sure you are subscribed to this website to receive the very latest market views, commentary and expert opinion. Tune in next week as we've got a bumper show planned. Bye for now. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regard to your own situation.